Welcome to Chatsunami. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of Chatsunami. My name's Satsunami and joining me is none other than the Breath of the Wild host himself, Andrew. Andrew, welcome. Are you going to say something like Breath of Fresh Air or something like that? That would have been better. <laughs> I'm not paid the big Nintendo bucks to come up with puns like that, okay? <laughs> no, that's why you brought me in. Thank you for having me hop on for another episode where we get to talk about The Legend of Zelda. Yeah, I can't remember the last time we spoke about a Zelda episode. Oh, wait, it was last week. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't know if you were setting something up there. I was. <laughs> yeah, if you haven't checked out our previous episode last week where we discussed what it's like to be a Zelda fan, then please feel free to pause the episode and go give that a listen. But yeah, today we are indeed going to be talking about something that I would say needs no introduction, but you know, we're paid by the introduction, so we're going to do it anyway. Well, I say we're paid but you know (laughs) i'm still waiting on that check podcast terminology you know (laughs) it's lost in the mail your check's lost in the mail yeah today we are indeed going to be talking about a particularly famous game one which even you said andrew that it was am i right in saying the 20th most sold game of all time yeah the 20th best-selling game of all time i remember you and i were of course talking about this last week where we were saying how zelda's had such a significant impact in the gaming community but it seems as if breath of the wild is that lightning in a bottle isn't it yeah it certainly took its inspiration from other games itself but it does seem to have kind of started an entire almost a genre of video games which has kind of allowed it to be what games are now compared to that people will say oh this is a sonic game like breath of the wild or this is a pokemon game that's like breath of the wild that they kind of anything that's now kind of open world more sort of sandboxy is now compared to breath of the wild whereas it was previously maybe a skyrim or a similar game like that I was going to say to all the crusty millennials that are listening right now, raise your hand with me and try not to break a hip. As you remember that every game was once compared to Skyrim as, it's Skyrim, but with guns. It's Skyrim, but with this. But you are 100% right. Nowadays, it's games that have a heavy focus on exploration and adventure are now wanting to be the Breath of the Wild, but with X or Y or whatever. In particular, as you said, Sonic Frontiers did this, Genshin Impact as well did this, especially Genshin Impact. I remember playing that when it first came out, and yeah, there's a couple of things. <laughs> we will probably get into that, but there are a couple of things that were, I want to say, pay homage to <laughs> for legal reasons, but there was a lot of inspiration for these wide, sprawling games where you could run through the fields and have this merry adventure. I say merry adventure, but the story of Breath of the Wild is indeed kind of dark but as i said we will get onto that but before we go on you being of course the resident zelda expert in the room that's quite the claim well there's only two of us andrew please (laughs) what was your experience in the build-up to this game because as i said before i actually can't remember and maybe it's because i was maybe too young at the time or i just didn't pay enough attention to zelda games but i don't remember any zelda game getting as much hype 
as Breath of the Wild? Certainly not in my experience as a Zelda fan. I don't think there has been a game before or since in the Zelda franchise that has had as much kind of hype surrounding it as Breath of the Wild did. Partly down to this huge kind of marketing campaign that it did, the fact that they had the initial release date of 2015 and they released, I think, back in 2013. 13 content to like promote that but then that got delayed and so you kind of had this such a long kind of build up of people kind of excited for this and seeing a game that looked nice after a very kind of weird looking game we'd more recently had with Skyward Sword. Skyward Sword had a very unique art style which is attractive in its own way but is not really my favorite art style from the Zelda game series. So what you're saying is it had a face only a developer could love. Yeah, uh, IG Anonuma was very proud of his brainchild there, but it was not received as well. So following that kind of disappointing game, you could only really go up. And so there was kind of excitement, like, finally, we'll get another good game. Insert God Ramsey, uh, finally some good fucking food. I was going to say slap that in the box. <laughs> finally a good fucking game. <laughs> And for only, oh god, I don't even know what the price of the game is now. It's probably gone up to like £80 or something. You know, the remake of Skyward Sword. For only £80, you too can experience the sheer disappointment of this game. I have the remake, actually. I got given it as a gift, which I was, I was very grateful to have gotten that. And I, I did request it, in fact. I wanted to see uh, if the changes made to it had improved it at all. Which it had a little bit, but I've not gone far enough through it to fully see if, if it's that different. Because, I mean, the, one of the fundamental issues was pacing and the... The kind of repetition and the, the level design. But anyway, going back to Breath of the Wild, there was such a big build-up. They did put so much behind the marketing of it. I remember, was it like E3 that they had an entire day, Nintendo day, and they had like the Nintendo treehouse at E3 and they kept showing more footage of Breath of the Wild in the build-up. I think this was maybe nine months prior to the game coming out. We need something like Nintendo day, but not so sad. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it was actually called Nintendo day, but it was, it was something like that. Like E3 had like a dedicated day, I think, for each console there was a an xbox day i think there was a playstation day i think there wasn't like a nintendo day and of course initially when it was announced it was going to be a wii u game when it was initially coming out in 2015 i remember thinking at the time actually that i'm not buying a wii u but i will have to when zelda comes out like i'm gonna commit and have to buy that when when zelda comes out that's okay that is a grim prospect though in gaming terms <laughs> yeah i've played the wii u at, at a few people's homes my brother in fact has a wii u and his version of the breath of the wild is the the wii u version so we we, uh, we each got each console's version of the game. Which is interesting because I think that's only the second time this has happened because Twilight Princess released as a GameCube Wii hybrid. So there was GameCube versions of the game and Wii versions of the game. And then I think this is the only other example of that with a console hybrid Zelda game. And the GameCube version of Twilight Princess is now like really valuable because it's much more rarer version of the game. And for a true Nintendo or the true Zelda fans, it's like the proper version of the game because Link is canonically left-handed. And so the GameCube version, he is left-handed but the Wii version because the majority of people are right-handed and you're swinging your sword with the Wii controller they switched it to his right hand and they inverted the map so the GameCube version everything is mirrored from the Wii version Oh, I did not know that. Yeah. Again, I keep tangenting to like talking about other Zelda games, but yeah, just that's all just talking about this build up of this game that I was so excited about that then you kind of had a double level of excitement because you're excited about this game coming out. And then you also had this kind of new excitement over a new console that you were getting. And so I had committed to getting the Switch and getting the Zelda game. And in fact, I pre ordered the game. So I had Breath of the Wild before I even got 
the switch because I just wanted to like make sure I had it. And then I was told that I would be given as a gift from my parents following the completion of my degree that like a graduation present would be a Nintendo Switch. And so I purchased uh, Zelda and just kind of had this game for a console that I didn't own just sat in my bedroom for two or three weeks until I eventually got my Switch. So there was there was a huge anticipation build up surrounding that. I felt I felt very much like a child again, like I have to get through my exams and then I can play my game. And then I would just spend the following months diving into that game. Funny enough, I was trying to think before I came on tonight, I was trying to think when I actually got it. And I want to say probably a year after it released, because as, as I said before, I like Zelda, but I wouldn't say I'm like a diehard fan of it. And I got my Nintendo Switch, I want to say around Christmas 2017. I remember actually asking for Breath of the Wild for my birthday, not because I was thinking, oh, I have to play this game. Oh, it's amazing. And this is going to piss off a lot of Zelda fans, so apologies, but I just wanted a game so I could add out the Switch library. The fact it was a platform exclusive and everything and I thought okay I'll ask for it and I got it on my birthday and everything and before I spill the beans though and I tell you my opinions on the game, will we just dive in and glide into this wonderful game? Oh! Do my best old man impression. Oh! (laughs) Yeah, sounds good. Maybe the lovely listeners can hear our thoughts after the ad break. And we will be right back. After those ads, welcome to Shatsunami, a variety podcast that discusses topics from gaming and films to anime and general interests. Previously on Shatsunami, we've analysed what makes a good horror game, conducted a retrospective on Pierce Brosnan's runs James Bond, and listened to us take deep dives into both the Sonic and Halo franchises. Also, if you're an anime fan, then don't forget to check us out on our subseries Shatsunani, where we dive into the world of anime. So far, we've reviewed things like Death Note, Princess Mononoke, and the hit Beyblade series. If that sounds like your cup of tea, then you can check us out on Spotify, iTunes, and all good podcast apps. As always, stay safe, stay awesome, and most importantly, stay hydrated. Join me, Slade, and my two co-hosts, Joey and Tim, over at the Video Game Club, where once every two weeks, we review a video game. Not too dissimilar to a book club. Podcast. You you can... You can find us at the Video Game Club on all good podcast uh, providers and some sketchy ones as well. This episode is sponsored by Zencaster. If you're a podcaster that records remotely like me, then you'll know how challenging it can be to create the podcast you've always wanted. That's where Zencaster comes in. Before I met Zencaster, I was but a naive podcaster, recording on low quality, one track audio waves. But with Zencaster, you can kiss those fears goodbye as they provide crystal clear audio and HD video. Plus, with our all-in-one podcasting suite, recording with guests is extremely simple. From local recordings to post-production, Zencaster has it all. Go to Zencaster.com forward slash pricing and use my code CHATSUNAMI. You'll get 30% off your first three months of Zencaster Professional. I want you to have the same easy experience I do for all my podcasting and content needs. It's time to share your story. So, Andrew, this game is absolutely massive, as we've established. It is 
probably one of the chunkier Zelda games out there. But before we go on to talk about what makes this game so good, which I know, a novel idea. (laughs) People praising this game. What a novel concept. But what is this particular iteration of Link about? So they've taken the angle in this game of a hero who has failed in his mission to protect Hyrule, has been kind of put into a coma for 100 years, and then awakes into a Hyrule that has been, I say devastated, like it's in ruins, but life's kind of gone on. But our main character Link has lost his memory, and so it's trying to recover who he is, what has happened, and try and do what he could not do before. Meanwhile, the world is infested with the creatures that Ganon or the Calamity has released upon the world and Zelda herself is trying to hold back the full extent of Calamity Ganon from fully taking over the world and so you kind of always have that oh Link quickly I can't hold him for much longer but like you can just do that indefinitely kind of things like I'm just gonna cut some grass I'm gonna collect grasshoppers and there ain't nothing you can do about it (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much, yeah. So essentially you as Link are going through this kingdom of Hyrule 100 years after the Great Calamity and you are trying to get strong enough to take on Ganon. That's essentially essentially the plot of the game. But the unique thing they've kind of introduced to this is just how much of an open world game it is and how you aren't railroaded in the same way that you would be with other Zelda games. Like it's not as linear. You can take on challenges in any order you wish, which is not entirely unique. I think there has been lots of Zelda games i think even the original zelda you could in some capacity do in various orders but it is certainly unique in the case of a lot of modern zelda games a lot of the recent sort of 3d console games yeah it's quite surprising how versatile this game is which i know that's rich coming from me not having as much experience with these zelda games but the fact that as you said you can take on these different challenges whenever you want for anyone who keeps up with gaming news you've probably seen all the challenge runs like beating ganon in like five minutes with zero gear or beating them with a stick and things like that there's just so many ways to approach this game and I have to admit I was quite surprised at that initially and then I realised it was a speedrunning community and then I thought oh well that makes sense because <laughs> you can technically from the outset go straight to the main boss and fight him I say straight from the outset once you've done the initial tutorial that gets you off of the plateau you can then go straight to the main boss and try and beat the game I have gone to do that but one of the elements of the game is the breakable weapons and so that any weapon you have has a durability factor to it. I took on Ganon with all the best weapons I could find before facing him and then found that they all just broke and so I then didn't have any weapons so I was screwed. And so there's certainly a limiting factor there. I've not watched a speedrunner do it to see how they accomplished it because I just ran out of arrows, ran out of bows, ran out of swords, all that kind of stuff. I don't know what they could have done that, that could have beaten him that I didn't know how to do. So what you're saying is you didn't fisticuffs? No, that's one thing it's missing actually. You can't just punch something. Which I know that's probably like a Nintendo thing maybe yeah we don't want kids punching people swords yes fists no i mean as we established last week it's like they didn't want kids yelling into the console but they gave them a gun for duck hunt yeah the aims of nintendo are a bit ski with i have to admit duck hunt is one of like the highest selling games of all time you know how best selling are we talking here 27 that's actually pretty fair okay i'll give it that it's only just behind pokemon gold and silver wow really Mm -hmm. hot damn ahead of gta san andreas 
that light gun really did wonders, didn't it? Apparently, like, that really surprised me, considering some of the things it's ahead of. But speaking of weapons that will break over time... <laughs> I'm going to go to a quick negative here because let's face it, overall, objectively, the game is great. Gameplay-wise and everything, the game is great. But if I'm honest, I really didn't like the durability factor. Did you think it was a good idea coming from the old games where there wasn't really durability? I go back and forward on the durability. I quite like it, to be honest, because it then encourages you to use weapons that you otherwise wouldn't use. If you just found a weapon you really really liked and has always used that then you don't really get the opportunity to be like oh i should grab this claymore just now so i can accomplish this because my weapon just broke i think it adds an interesting dynamic it's always one of those things where like i'm so particular with my inventory that i will often just use crap weapons because i'm like oh i don't want to waste the good weapons and it's like what am i wasting them on they're doing the exact same thing so i'm very much a hoarder when it comes to stuff like video games with inventory i think it does allow me to accumulate a bunch of inventory and then actually use it because if you just had the master sword and it's always use the master sword that's kind of boring whereas what they've done which is quite clever is that they introduced the master sword later in the game and then had the master sword also have a durability factor but like it's linked to kind of almost like a magic ability and so it will recharge later and then you can use the master sword again later but in that interim period you then have to go back to your other set of weapons i see what you mean it definitely shakes up the gameplay something awful in the best ways and the maybe i wouldn't say the worst ways because I wouldn't be as harsh as to say that, but I feel as if it's one that you have to adapt to and get used to, which obviously that's the point. It kind of adds to that adventure sense, doesn't it? Yeah, it certainly does. The scavenging kind of aspect of, of the feel of the game, the tone, having this durable weapons element makes it that extra bit more challenging, which I think is sometimes an issue with Zelda games, that sometimes you don't always have that extra element of challenge, that it, it does become a little bit too easy. So I think... It adds a more interesting element that we didn't really experience previously. And one of the things that when I played Legend of Zelda Wind Waker and you fought certain enemies, you could actually pick up their weapons and use their weapons against the other monsters around you. I always thought that was so much fun. I always wanted to do that. Every time I had the opportunity to, I would. And so now you have a game where not only can you take the weapons of your enemies, but you can then hold on to them, keep them and use them later on. Because in Wind Waker, you would take it and then you'd go through a door and you'd drop that weapon and you'd be through the next door into the next area whereas in this that doesn't exist you have the weapon until you either destroy it or throw it away speaking of the weapons though one of the things that really struck me no pun intended but one of the things that really struck me was how much they are influenced by the environment as well Mm -hmm. Which I thought was quite interesting. Like, for example, if you have a wooden stick and you hold it near a fire, you know, these are the kind of things that when we were growing up with, like, the GameCube era, the PlayStation 2, and all that, when you stood by fires and everything, then you're like, oh man, I wish there was more environmental gameplay. That's definitely what, like, 10 year old me is saying. I wish environmental gameplay was considered in the, in the development of this game. Me too. <laughs> I had a deep voice when I was young. No, I'm only kidding. For legal reasons, that's a joke. Who's going to sue you? I don't know. (laughs) I'll probably sue myself in the future. 
for some reason the podcast didn't take off so i took to time machine <laughs> yeah it's a cutthroat business in the future deal with it <laughs> yeah it's the kind of thing though that you think obviously no one knows words but you do think that oh i wish this kind of thing maybe was in games back then and then now that you've got it they implement it in such a clever way because i didn't realize there was other things like if you're walking in a thunderstorm and you've got like a metal weapon out that you essentially act as a lightning rod yeah you're a conduit to the lightning and then uh, as we said we've got the weapons that if you hold them too close to the fire then Obviously, they're going to burst into flames. Something as well kind of linked onto that. <laughs> Again, no pun intended. That's the phrase of this episode, no pun intended. But one of the links to that is the AI of the enemies that you fight in this game. In particular, if they drop a weapon or if you drop a weapon, they're not afraid to, like, especially the Bokoblins, they'll run away and then they'll grab a weapon on the ground to defend themselves. As horrible as it sounds, because it's like I'm getting flashbacks of like Order 60 sexier but i mean it is quite intuitive isn't it yeah it's one of those things which nintendo's really good at of rewarding your curiosity by if you think hmm, i wonder if i do this thing and and then you do it and you find out that oh it's exactly what i thought by putting this rock in this location to complete a circle that's just kind of randomly around in the world you then have a little korok friend pop up be like haha you found me here's a little turd and then you get the little turd and then you hand the little turd to the tree man and he expands your inventory there's also little things like that like throwing bombs into the water or firing an electric arrow into the water will kill the fish around there and then you can collect those fish if you fire electric arrow into the water where an enemy lazalfo is nearby it'll electrocute that lazalfo if you electrocute an enemy holding a weapon they get stunned and will drop that weapon like there's loads of fun little things like that where if you think about doing something in the game there's often a reward for doing that that they the game developers have planned for your creativity and have rewarded you for it because that's something that you don't and again I'm going to say this and someone will like call me out with a list of examples to this but it's not something that's as prevalent I would say in a lot of AAA games these days like obviously Nintendo's a fine exception that usually they try to encourage creativity like for example with Super Mario Odyssey is another one that I can think of but with Breath of the Wild as you said it is amazing that they give you that freedom to be able to to explore the way you want to because I mean Zelda games they haven't always been linear am I right in saying I mean there's been one or two but the majority of them are usually open world I guess it depends what you're kind of defining as open world as I was saying earlier things like the original Zelda to an extent things like A Link to the Past Link Between Worlds these are games where you do have some control over how you play the game how you kind of navigate the game whereas something like Ocarina of Time say you kind of have to do it in a certain way like you have to do this temple then this temple and like you're going down this single path like you see there are cliffs and mountains around you but like you can't climb that certain thing you can't climb that certain thing you can't go over there whereas breath of the wild for the most part you can just traverse the entire landscape and the landscape will shift and change around you like you'll be going to snowy sections you'll be going to deserts and like the temperature will fluctuate if you go very high up a mountain even if you were in like a, a warm area then all of a sudden the temperature will plummet and you have to adapt and either wear clothes depending on your surroundings or drink a certain potion that you've created or bought there's so much to the game of as you were talking earlier about your environment about how you as a player have to adapt to the environment through different methods and there's not one method 
as I said, like you don't have to change. You're like, oh, I really like wearing this armor. I don't want to change into this warm weather outfit or this Gerudo outfit to deal with the weather. I can just eat this food I created or drink this potion I created that gives me a buff against hot weather or cold weather or electricity or something like that. So there are so many ways of playing this game and dealing with situations within the game. I mean, I would 100% agree with that. The fact that a lot of the environments aren't just for show. For example, the one I can think of off the top of my head is, see when you go to the, I think, is it the Volcano Island in Wind Waker? Right, yeah. So in Wind Waker, when you get to Dragon Roost Island and you've got like the big volcano and everything, obviously it was a different generation. We didn't know any better. Yeah, you don't really change. Not that obviously you would want the focus of, oh, you have to change your clothes every time you go to a different island and everything. But the fact that the environment is very interactive like it's not just a set piece it's not just a background pixel that you think oh right that looks cool but i can't interact with it what i will say is the going back to like ocarina of time say if you went to the volcano area you had to have the red tunic to deal with the heat so you had to change depending on your environment for that i think scoured sword also had something similar like you had to have a specific earring or something to deal with the heat or a specific tunic or something along those lines there have been other zelda games where you've had to with your environment in that way but it's not quite to the same extent as breath of the wild is ocarina of time the same one that you have to wear a blue tunic for water yeah it allows you to swim better or hold your breath or something struggling to remember what exactly the blue tunic did from ocarina of time i'm a terrible zelda expert i was gonna say and you call yourself a fan a fan But no, jokes aside, yeah, no, that's fair enough. See, even back in the 90s, Zelda was pulling this. Such an innovative series, I swear to goodness. <laughs> yeah, jumping off of that point, though, because we've established the gameplay is fantastic. The environment is absolutely spectacular. It's beautiful. There are probably a thousand like compilation videos where it's just pretty much everybody's first reaction to coming out of that cave and then seeing the sprawl. Vista. Were you taken aback by that when you first got out the cave at the very beginning of the game? Oh yeah, it was... I had it somewhat spoiled by seeing the promo for it, but it, your heart kind of goes, you get the goosebumps, all those kind of cliche kind of experiences, but it's true. Like I was absolutely amazed when I first started playing the game and I came out and you just saw that landscape in front of you and just not fully understanding like how much of it is interactive because there's been other Zelda games where you've seen out to the horizon and it looks really pretty looks really cool but you can't really go and experience it whereas breath of the wild as we were saying earlier you've got the entire world to explore and it's so beautiful like the topography of breath of the wild is so interesting it's so unique the nature element of it that you've got all these animals around you that you can interact with that you can hunt or ride or fight there's so much there that is so interesting because i have to say what surprised me a lot about this game was the fact that the world felt very much lived in for such a vast world it is very hard for developers to make it feel as if this world is populated if that makes sense for example when you and i played this game for our old let's play series t posing i remember there was one moment where you and i went into a dungeon and when we came out we had that dealing with the was it the flower lady i can't remember what her <laughs> name is if she has any but yeah and you were like go on go 
oh, Church of Lovers, see what happens. And I got absolutely bodied, rightfully so, I must say. But there was other moments where it was like, I got, again, bodied by a goat. I tried getting by the, oh, I can't remember what you call them. The Guardians? Guardians, yeah, where I tried sneaking by the Guardians and I kept getting destroyed by the laser and everything. It's like, everywhere you turn, you don't feel as if, for the most part, there's just, like, wasted space. You know, it feels as if there's something in every kind of part of the map, which is absolutely fantastic for a game this size. There are areas where, and this has been a criticism of the game, where there is kind of expanses that don't really have much going on in them that could be better utilised. But I think, as you say, for a game of its size you can't necessarily fill every space it might feel a bit too crowded if you do so it's it's a very difficult line to tread and there's an element of you that thinks well sometimes you just like to go up a hill or a mountain and not have to interact with either a npc or a monster or anything like that that you just get a chance to just climb up look around and experience what is around you that you don't necessarily need to have a shrine temple town in every kind of area it actually reminds me of, I don't know if you've played, you know Red Dead Redemption, the original? I know of it, yeah. There's a scene in that, and I can't believe I'm making this reference, but there's a scene in that where essentially you cross the border at one point in the game, and then you cross back. As you cross back, there is this song that plays in the background, and it just it essentially allows you to ride back on your horse across the border back from Mexico to the United States. And you're just riding through this very scenic countryside as this country western song starts playing, much like Breath of the Wild. It is just so scenic. It gives you time to breathe in the rest of the scenery. You know, it's not saying, oh, you're running and then all of a sudden a bobcat's going to mug you for your money or anything. But it's the same here. It's like, how much would the game be more enjoyable if you did? Like, I can understand the criticism. Like, that's absolutely valid that there could be probably be better utilizations for these areas at the same time it is nice to have those downtime quiet moments to appreciate the work that has gone into this game but on that note because we've talked a wee bit about as we said the gameplay the environment everything 10 out of 10 so far or sorry 9.99999 of 10 but i've got a particular question for you being the resident zelda expert what is your opinion of the tone of this game that's quite tricky because I think it balances it quite well, to be honest, because there's a element of this kind of looming threat, this looming danger that you have this world in ruins, you have these monsters around you, these guardians crawling around, you have the blood moon, which is a very interesting mechanic that we maybe speak a bit more on later. You have these kind of very dark kind of moments in the game, but not necessarily distracting from how beautiful, how whimsical at times other elements of the games are. Like I mentioned the Koroks earlier, they're little tree fairy friends that cause mischief they're very cute you have some comedic elements from various npcs and then you have these beautiful areas of the game it's not going for that kind of dark bloodborne elden ring kind of world where everything's so gothic it is a world that you can see was even more gorgeous prior to this calamity that has been hit by it and zelda games in general i don't think always have the best 
story. I think that's often one of its weaker components, that it's held up by its gameplay and its style, the mechanics, essentially. I've kind of said the same thing three times, but the games itself are able to hold their own over kind of a, a pretty weak story. That's not to say I don't enjoy the story. I'm a sucker for Legend of Zelda story, but I do think that it is its weakest component. It is very much, uh, and again, this isn't to disparage like any enjoyers of the story, but it again feels like the very much Nintendo paint by the numbers. Oh, there's a no pun intended because there literally is a great calamity in these games, Ganon. But yeah, there's like this huge threat. You have to deal with said threat. You have to draw the Master Sword. You have to do X, Y, and Z to defeat him and everything. You have to fight all the nasty gribblies along the way. You know, it's all the same basic building blocks that we've seen before in other Zelda games. And don't get me wrong, obviously it's Zelda with a different coat of paint. I'm not saying that it's necessarily a bad thing that they followed the same formula, but I see what you mean. It does seem though that because the story is so, and I don't want to say basic because obviously there's all the lore and everything, but the fact it's a relatively easy story to follow, it's something that I've noticed as well that that might be one of the reasons that new players to Zelda have been endeared by. It's very approachable. I do agree with that. I think it's one of the most approachable games in the series. I gave the example last week about how my partner had never played, for the most part, had never played a Zelda game before. And so this was kind of like her introduction really to the franchise. And she loves it, but she doesn't really enjoy other Zelda games that I've kind of encouraged her to play. It is a good game for those who've not played a Zelda game who don't necessarily want to play other previous Zelda games, but would just like to play a fantasy game. It's very good for that. And the story doesn't require you to really know anything prior about the Zelda franchise. That is one of the strengths, right enough, about Zelda is the fact that a lot of the games themselves stand alone really well. So like if you're a Wind Waker fan, but you're not an Ocarina of Time fan or, you know, vice versa, then there's kind of a game to cater for everyone's interests. But it is quite interesting to see that Breath of the Wild seems to be the baseline of people getting into both Zelda and, as you said, just getting that fantasy game fix. It is really fascinating to see because, as I've said before, I really struggle to get into some of the Zelda games, either because they've just aged, not poorly, but you know, they've aged. Like, all games are going to get affected by that. You're going to get mechanics that don't hold up the same or are no longer used and everything, but with Breath of the Wild, they've definitely got the basics down to a key, and I think that is probably one of their strengths. But it is quite interesting to hear what you had to say there just about the tone and the story as a whole, but before we go off on a high note to say how wonderful this game is, are there any things, maybe not negatives, but anything you think the game could have improved on? There are certainly some things. I don't think this game is particularly strong with its music. I think one of the great things about so many Zelda games are its musical scores. There were a few that were good in this, and they did something very clever with telling the story at times 
through folk ballads that you would kind of go across the land and kind of encounter this one character who plays an accordion plays an accordion and is kind of researching like songs of the land and he teaches you about the history of each kind of area through these ballads that's really interesting but it doesn't really hold up against some of the other songs that I've heard in other Zelda games so much more of a musical element to the other games which wasn't really present in this like Wind Waker you were conducting the winds you'd then be accompanied on your quest by other people who were playing instruments and it would, there'd be some beautiful music that they all came together at the end to play Ocarina of Time you had the Ocarina that you were playing Majora's Mask you had various other instruments Scoured Sword you were strumming your harp thing there was lots of musical elements to the other games that just wasn't present in this one that I kind of missed and then the theme of that things that just weren't really present that were in other Zelda games that I missed was I do miss the dungeon temple mechanic I felt like I wanted more of that in Breath of the Wild that you only really had the four divine beasts as the quote unquote temples plus you had these shrines where you would do like a, a puzzle and then earn a spirit orb that you could redeem for either stamina or hearts so they kind of got around the lack of temples and puzzles by having the shrines but that really didn't interest me as much I kind of missed the temple aspect the problem solving to get through each section of the temple and having like a significant number of them rather than just the four divine beasts plus the Hyrule castle at the end so I do miss that and I do hope that there's a little bit more of that maybe in Tears of the Fallen Kingdom or what the next game's called I do miss that somewhat I can understand like the workaround they've done and they want to freshen up the format a little bit because it is a little bit samey I'm very much a creature of habit of kind of consistency and I do like that within my Zelda games but I did appreciate the change up a little bit in this game but I would like to see more of that in the future and as is the case with any game and it's really a testament to how good Breath of the Wild was was I wanted more when it was done I was like well I need more and they thankfully brought out some DLC which I did then purchase and play which didn't add a whole lot but did some interesting interesting stuff but yeah I was so hungry for more of it that I'd had to wait another I think six years to get so I'm very excited for the game coming out when this recording comes out it'll probably be either just out or uh, about to come out yeah because this week indeed uh, Tears of the Kingdom the sequel to Breath of the Wild will be coming out and I'm going to be honest moving off of Breath of the Wild for a second something that really shocked me about that was just the sheer eagerness to make a full mainline game as a sequel to the previous game because Zelda is kind of loosey-goosey when it comes to the timelines and the lore and everything like that but I've never really other than with Wind Waker and Phantom Hourglass and Spirit Tracks those are the only two I can think of off the top of my head other than obviously Majora's Mask but I feel as if the only reason Majora's Mask was a quote-unquote sequel to Ocarina was because they were working in a very limited time frame you know it was like they used the assets from Ocarina of Time into Majora's Mask it wasn't like they purposely planned out to make such a cursed game which is another episode for another time but the fact is that although you had the spin-offs for Wind Waker with, as I say, Phantom Hourglass and Spirit Tracks, you don't really have any, and correct me if I'm wrong, but is there any direct sequels to any of these games? Majora's Mask was a direct sequel. My understanding of the original games is a bit fuzzy with regards to the timeline. I have Hyrule Historia, which does actually show the timeline. I should have had it out in front of me. I don't even know if I brought it to Canada, to be honest. Yeah, I don't really know much whether or not any others are sequels to each other. I know, I kind of, I understand the timeline in basic sense, but Breath of the Wild does not fit into the timeline. So that's another element that throws in a spanner in the works. So 
So having Tears of the Kingdom come out as a direct sequel is very interesting. Could have had it like come out a couple of years later with just kind of the same assets used and not much changed. Some people would still be happy, but they've spent six years, which is the normal game cycle for a Legend of Zelda game, and to release a full brand new game with a lot of new mechanics, which is going to be very interesting to get our heads around. It's going to throw some new challenges and it's going to be interesting to see what they've done and accomplished over those six years. One thing that kind of surprised me, and again, I don't know for a fact, obviously we will have to wait until the game's actually out and everything, but I was quite surprised at how almost similar it looked at times. Obviously, they're still using the same world, they're still using similar assets, I want to say, but it's not so much like, for example, the most infamous one would probably be Pokemon, where they said, oh, we've been working on this for ages, and then when they actually looked at the models and the code and everything, they were like, well, not really, you just exported from the old 3DS games onto the Switch and expected no one to notice, and all of that so it's not as if it's like a lazy port it's nothing like that but I was quite surprised that they still maintain that same look and it looks relatively similar but at the same time there is still a lot they can do with it and obviously you've got the building mechanics and everything that's coming into it which I have to say it did remind me of Banjo-Kazooie Nuts and Bolts did you see that in the trailer? I don't remember Banjo-Kazooie well enough to have made that comparison to be honest because last time I played a Banjo-Kazooie game was about 20 plus years ago so it's been a long time. At the time it was the only one that came out for the Xbox where you could build up your own vehicles. It was infamous for the time but no it's still infamous I was going to throw a bone there but I'm like no no it's still infamous but yeah that'll be interesting to see though but before we conclude is there anything in particular you hope for in Tears of the Kingdom? I think it's kind of going off of what I I was saying before i would like to see more involvement with music like we've seen in some of the other games and i'd like to see more temples or just larger elements to do because the world of breath of the wild is so was so grand so interesting and there were lots of like little things you could do i wanted none of these appetizers i want something big to get my teeth into and i think that i'm, I'm really hoping that tears of the kingdom will kind of offer that and yeah and then just from a more kind of general perspective i'm hoping for a good story because as we we're talking about earlier stories are often kind of the weaker side of the zelda franchise but if they can accomplish a fun story then i'm all for it it definitely seems as if it's continuing that semi-serious tone obviously zelda's like a game for all ages so they're not going to make it well if they do make it uber dark or they make it overly dark then they're gonna kind of hide it behind some artisticness you know like for example when the guardians overrun i can't remember what the town's called but when the guardians overrun one of the towns early on in the flashback when the king spoilers is talking to you it's just Hyrule is it just Hyrule so I'm just thinking Hyrule City and Hyrule well the land is Hyrule I guess so it's Hyrule Castle I guess you can just say it's like you don't obviously see the people get disintegrated like Skynet you know the beginning of the Terminator or anything like that it's not as brutal but you still get that implication that everything's been completely destroyed by these creatures which I have to say during that game they did terrify me because every time I walked around a corner all you heard was a dun, 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 and I was like oh no I'm gonna die 
going to die. I'm going to go back the way I came. Sorry, Mr. Guardian. I loved the challenge of the Guardians. I thought the Guardians were so interesting. And the whole thing where you could bounce their lasers back at them with their shield if you time it right. It was so satisfying to do that right. And when you got a rhythm of being able to do it right consistently. I hadn't played for a while. And I decided before coming back to talk about it today that last night I should play the game. And so I went into the game, played a little bit. And then I was like, oh, my weapons are kind of low. I've destroyed a bunch of my weapons. I want to try and get some good weapons. So I went to Hyrule Castle, which is like the final area of the game, to where all the, like there's loads of really strong weapons are, are there. So I went to go collect those. And all around Hyrule Castle are guardians because it's like the end of the game. It's supposed to be very tricky to get through. You're always under attack. And I went around the perimeter just destroying each of the guardians with a deflection shield or just by whacking them with other weapons. And it was really fun. It's still so satisfying five or six years later, just going around and beating the guardians. That's something we actually didn't touch on. And I'll touch on it very briefly. But the fact that you get, I suppose it's an alternative for the equipment that you don't really get in this game, like the bombs and the momentum, like stopping a particular object in stasis, am I right? And then you have to hit it. Yeah, it's like cryostasis. And when you hit it, you get a lot of momentum and everything, and you can cling on to objects that send you flying and everything. I mean, that is absolutely fantastic as well. That kind of goes into the umbrella of gameplay. And as well, of course, you've got your... Is it the Sheikah Slate? Yes, you have your Sheikah Slate, which kind of controls these kind of power-ups that you have. Your fantasy iPhone essentially. Yeah, it's like a little iPad that you've got. Which is hilarious to think that when you get to Zelda and she's like why the hell have you got an iPad and you've got a Starbucks on the other hand and you're like what, I was asleep for a hundred years? Don't judge me Zelda. Honestly, see if I had to sum up my thoughts, I would honestly say the design is fantastic in this game. It's very iconic. I feel as if that's going to get carried on to the sequel and yeah, the gameplay as well, just absolutely fantastic. I feel as if I'm redundant and saying, oh, this is a fantastic game, you should go check it out. Because at this point, you've probably played Breath of the Wild, you've probably seen somebody else play it and everything, you've probably watched our Let's Play channel play it. But before we wrap up, what are your final thoughts, Andrew, on this iconic game? Just kind of concluding, Breath of the Wild was a very unique gaming experience for me at a time where I wasn't really playing video games at all. Like, I'd fallen out with video games. Like, I didn't own my own console for years at that point the previous console i had before the switch was an xbox 360 so it'd been quite a while so it kind of reintroduced me into playing video games again and what a game to kind of get back into that i experienced such a wonderful fantasy game that has such unique mechanics to it that i mentioned earlier that when you've defeated all the enemies in an area after a certain number of days on the day and night cycle there'll be a blood moon where all the enemies that you previously defeated then come back alive and so it prevents the issue of you've killed every bad thing in the game now what that that will never happen that you'll always regenerate so you'll always have something to do in that regard that's so interesting that they thought of a solution for that it was just such a fun game it was such a fun experience back in 2017 playing through it for the very first time and then just in subsequent years kind of going back to it every so often to play a little bit more and kind of give yourself more challenges yeah that's my final input into the game i recommend that anyone who has not played it does check it out especially with the new game coming up very soon it's worth checking out those who've already played it give it another shot play it again 
fun. And yeah, you can experience an hour and a half, two hours worth of Chasnami and I playing the game on an old uh, YouTube channel. If you look up T-Posing, T-E-A-P-O-S-I-N-G on YouTube, you should be able to find our content where we played Breath of the Wild. Just look for the old VTuber model and yeah, the chippy. You haven't changed a day. <laughs> I turned into a red panda. I made the real sacrifice. <laughs> no jokes aside, yeah, definitely go check it out where, yeah, we tried. We actually got through a fair chunk of the beginning, I want to say. I mean, I'm saying that and you're like, no, no. <laughs> We did scratch a surface. We did a little bit of the game. I mean, we got through the dungeon. We got our first horse. I, I call that a win. Not a dungeon. You went to a shrine. Okay, a dungeon, a shrine. Potato, tomato, same Well, thing. like, a dungeon would perhaps be like one of the divine beasts. We wouldn't get that far. We we got to Kakariko Village. For me, in my head, I'm like, oh, yeah, we got really far. And for all the Zelda fans, it's like, you know, that scene from Naked Gun with the old facepalm in unison. <laughs> it's more like throwing in our typical Simpson reference where Homer's climbing the murder horn and he's like used up so much oxygen he's like tired and he looks down and he's only gone up five feet yeah that sounds about right i was still getting bodied by goats well goats and guardians yeah I, honestly i can't praise this game enough because i feel as if as i said at this stage my praise for this game is a bit redundant go check it out and for anybody who's either pre-ordered or playing tears of the kingdom feel free to get in touch with us and let us know how you're enjoying it does it live up to the hype is it as good as a sequel was it not as good I know Andrew you'll be getting in contact with me saying oh it's the best thing ever or it's not the best thing ever so yeah please let us know but until then thank you Andrew once again for going down memory lane and yeah checking out this wonderful game yeah thank you so much for having me it was really fun to dive back into this game that I didn't know if it was going to be my last time playing it with moving on to the new game very soon or what was going to happen so it was nice to kind of take a trip down memory lane of a few years ago oh you'll be back you'll be back they'll always come back if you would like to listen to more of our zelda themed episodes or really just any of our other episodes you can catch us on all good podcast apps as well as our website podpage.com forward slash chat tsunami if you want to reach out to us on social media then please either check us out on instagram under the handle chat tsunami or on twitter via the handle at chat tsunami pod also finally i want to give a huge shout out to our our Pandalorian patrons, Robotic Battle Toaster and Sonia. Thank you so, so much for supporting the channel. And if you would like to catch more exclusive content from ourselves and early access episodes, you can indeed catch us on patreon.com forward slash chatsunami. But until then, thank you all so, so much for listening. Stay safe, stay awesome, and most importantly, stay hydrated.